Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party, and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, it's Give 716 Day, and we are almost there. We're almost at that million mark. 1159. The donations go through till tonight. Give716.org. $984,000. $16,000 to go to get to that million mark. We should hit it uh, while we're on the air here. In fact, just hitting a little F5 button on my keyboard here to refresh, and we are at 986. So now we're down to $14,000 to go. Give716.org, over 400 charities. You can donate to the general fund, and then it spreads your donation around evenly to all of the different organizations. Or you can search your charity by name. You could search by category. Pick and choose whichever ones you want yourself if you would rather do it that way. Give716.org. We got 14000 to go. Let's do it while we're on the air here tonight. Jody Biasi here for the nightcap, 7 to 8 o'clock. Um... I'm not, I, I was going to be on uh, tomorrow from 11 to 2 for Sports Talk Saturday, but I had a prior obligation that I couldn't really get out of, so Brayton's going to fill in tomorrow uh, for Nate on Sports Talk Saturday. And I had already had some thoughts about what I was going to do tomorrow. So I got got to squeeze a three-hour show, I feel like, into tonight. Because I am, I'm hot about the current landscape of the Sabres expansion draft protection list. We are we are less than 24 hours away from both the list needing to be submitted at 5 o'clock on Saturday, and we are less than 24 hours away from the trade freeze, which is really the more important timeline for me, and that is tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And it really started when Darren Dreger came on the instigators today. Darren... You know, he, he's a good guest. He'll give you sometimes what he has, but he's very good at hedging. He's very good at being coy about what he's saying and not necessarily committing to what he's putting out there. But when it came to the Rasmus Ristolainen trade market today, when he was asked about that, there wasn't a lot of hiding from it. He kind of just came right out and said it. 
There's teams digging in on him now. There's teams digging in on him. The ask is is a good young defenseman and uh, a high draft pick, I would say, coming back. So that might be more than teams are, are willing to stomach. And I can't tell you which teams are most interested. I know you're going to push me on that. I just know that there are a couple. Maybe Risto goes before the other two. How would that be? A young defenseman and a high draft pick. That's what the Sabres are asking for right now for Rasmus Ristolainen. And they are working the phones, is what that sounds like. And they should be. Because tomorrow at 3 o'clock, they will have a decision to make. If Ristolainen is still on this roster, they will have two hours. They will have 120 minutes to decide who they are protecting between Rasmus Ristolainen and Will Borgen. 24-year-old defenseman, long development track. He has finally arrived. He played a small amount of games last year, 10 games. He looked really good in those 10 games, I thought. His goals above replacement, this is one credit to Chad D. Domenicis, uh, expected Buffalo. He tweeted about this earlier. Goals above replacement on the Sabres blue line last year. He was second behind Jake McCabe. The numbers show it. You saw it on the ice. Like, the numbers reflect what I saw on the ice. I saw a guy that wasn't trying to do too much with the puck, that could move pretty well. He wasn't Cody Franzen out there with bricks on his feet. Pretty good passer. And just kind of these smart, simple plays. Like, he never seemed to get in trouble. Never to seem to, 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 to fall under pressure in his own end. And he's big and physical. I'm not the guy that's really going to care a whole lot about that normally, but if you want it, you, if you want to have that on your blue line, here's a guy that does it. Big-bodied, he, he seems like the type of kid that he'll stick up for teammates. If your Jack Eichel gets run by Nikita Zadorov, which happened a couple years ago, and you had a guy like Casey Nelson standing there doing nothing, if you want your defenseman to jump in there and maul somebody for running your captain, Will Borgen is that guy. But... He also, and this is almost a good, it's almost a good thing that I feel like a guy like Borgen doesn't have the physical skill sets that Ristolainen does. Ristolainen can skate like hell. He can, he's, he's a bigger body than, than Borgen. He's a truck. He can score goals. He can play on the power play. He can play in front of the net. And what does that lead to? It leads to overutilization of Ristolainen, thinking that his physical skill set will translate to on-ice production, but it doesn't. It's a trap every single time, and countless GMs, countless coaches have gone to the same trap, playing Ristolainen 23-plus minutes a night, sometimes 25-plus minutes a night. I think under Bilesma, his average was 26 minutes. Borgen's never going to be the guy that gets overutilized, I don't think. I think he's going to be a 17 to 18, 19 minute a night defenseman. Maybe he'll be on your second pair, but, you know, on a good team and a good blue line like the Sabres probably will have with Darlene, Yoki Haru, and Owen Power, and Ryan Johnson having a good year at the University of Minnesota. And, hey, Jacob Bryson might be an NHL player. Like, you've got bodies on that blue line right now that. Borgen's never going to be asked to do too much. Like they've been asking Ristolainen to do too much for a decade. And none of this even matters. 
I don't need to even go into what Borgen is as a player for this argument to make sense. And that's why it's so easy that it's it's mind-numbing to me that we could arrive at a point where on Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, is when those protection lists will be distributed to all of the NHL teams. And it seems like that's around the time that, that those lists will be made public. Sunday at 10 o'clock. If I'm looking on my phone and I'm seeing that Ristolainen has been protected, I'm going to lose my mind. They have been overvaluing and overplaying this player for almost a decade. And they are 16, they are, can I do math? They are 20 hours away. I think I still got it wrong. They're 20 so hours away from losing Will Borgen because they can't recognize, even now, eight years later, what they've been doing wrong with Ristolainen the entire time. They overvalue him. They see him as a player that doesn't give you the production on the ice and the rest of the league doesn't see him as. And eventually, guess what? Unless one team gets stupid and decides to overpay for him, which, I don't know, haven't we been waiting years for that to happen? It's easy to say, well, somebody will do it. Will they? We've been doing the song and dance for five years. Hey, guess what? Nobody stepped to the plate. If nobody does come forward and overpay for Ristolainen, you're just eventually going to have to take these bad offers anyway. If you think they're bad offers. I don't necessarily think they're bad offers. I think if the Devils are offering you a second round pick right now, take it. Take it. Because you heard that Dreger clip. What are they asking for? A good young defenseman and a high draft pick. I can't imagine they would get a first. But maybe end of the first round, the Devils, who I just used an example, their first, their late first and their early second, there's not a lot of difference there. The Islanders have like the 28th pick of the first round. The Devils have that pick for Kyle Palmieri. And then they have the fifth pick of the second round. So what are we talking about, like an eight, nine pick difference? It's not even that much. If the Devils are coming forward and offering you the 40th pick in the draft, you take it. Because, and that's, by the way, if that offer comes before tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Because the moment tomorrow at 3 o'clock hits and he's still here, Seattle's grabbing one of those two guys. They're grabbing Risto or Borgen. That's why it's vital to have that trade done. Another reason that it's so frustrating to me personally about this is, and this this won't really apply to everybody, if not anybody else, I have been on this train since March. I looked back earlier. I wrote a story on our website at WGR550.com. If you want to go back and read it, I retweeted it at Sneaky Joe Sports earlier because it's all the same logic. It's all the same, it's all the same arguments. March 23rd, that's before the trade deadline, I think. Before the trade deadline... I wrote a piece on our website saying that the Sabres need to get proactive here. You need to trade Ristolainen. Because otherwise, you're losing Borgen or him for nothing. And here we are, less than 24 hours now from that day, and they still haven't done it. They still haven't done it. And I wanted to see this happen four months ago. They didn't do it then. They haven't done it since. And they still haven't done it. 
Where are we going to get? Where are we going to get to with Ristolainen? It is coming to an end. Next year, he's leaving. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. The future relationship between the Sabres and Ristolainen, it's non-existent. So, time to sever ties. Time to get what you can and not sacrifice a player you've been pouring resources into for six years. I remember going to development camp when I was in college and Will Borgen was was there. Like, my first year of college. I'm not that old, or I'm not that young. I'm 26. It's been a while. I remember watching Borgen in development camp forever ago, before Eichel was maybe even in the organization. Maybe he had just gotten here. After all that, and he finally gets here, you're just going to let him walk away? In the name of this guy specifically. It just doesn't make sense. It just does not make sense. And I believe, just by connecting the dots, they're going to do it. I think if they don't have the deal they want on the table by tomorrow at 3 o'clock, they're going to protect Ristolainen. And it's not 100%. I'd be really surprised if Seattle doesn't take Will Borgen. I can't believe they wouldn't. What's the logic behind it? Now, Paul wrote about it, our story today, uh, in his piece about the, the expansion draft and like what he would do protecting forwards and defensemen. He wrote, Seattle has also been looking into Kyle Oposo. And that stems from Dave Pagnota of the fourth period, from last week, I think, with Brayton, that he said the same thing, that they've looked into Oposo. And maybe that's reasonable. Maybe that's feasible. He's got two years left in his contract. It's $6 million per. I don't really need Oposo gone. In fact, I don't even know if I want Oposo gone. That might sound strange because we've been wanting to see his contract off the books for a couple years now. But the next two years... Every time I try to do a roster simulation, I have trouble getting the Sabres to the cap floor. That's how young they're going to be. That's how many entry-level contracts they're going to have. You kind of need a post of $6 million. I'm not saying it's a bad thing if Seattle takes him. I'm I'm not necessarily saying it's a good thing. Because you're just going to have to go overpay somebody somewhere else. You're going to have to go sign the modern-day version of Andre Mazaros to a $4 million deal even though he doesn't deserve it, just because you got to give it to somebody. But what that would do, actually, maybe it would be a good thing, because that would guarantee that they're not touching one of your two defensemen, whoever you may expose. And maybe they take Gergensen's. Maybe they take Colin Miller. Maybe they want a veteran player that they can, can help them be a respectable hockey team on the ice next year. Maybe that's what they want. But I'm reaching. I'm reaching, I think, to make that argument. If Will Borgen is available, how do you not take him if you're Seattle? How do you not do it? He's he's the perfect player for them. He's ready to go. He's ready to play in the NHL. He's young. He's cheap. He's got upside. He could grow into a more important player for you rather than acquire some expiring asset like Colin Miller. What are they trying to be? Are they trying to win right now? That maybe will be dependent on, uh, of course, what their strategy is, on who they take from the Sabres. Because if you're trying to win right now, okay, fine, I could see taking Colin Miller, even though 
I, I mentioned the goals above replacement. Borgen was better last year on the ice than Miller was. You can make a really strong argument that right now, Will Borgen helps them more on the ice than anybody else they could take from the Sabres. In fact, you probably should make that argument. That's why it's so tough to see them not taking him. That's why I shouldn't talk like I'm assuming he would be gone if you expose him. But I'm all I'm all but doing that. I'm pretty much assuming that Seattle will take him. Because I would, and I feel like 99 out of 100 hockey people would too. I would take anything that's on the table for Ristolainen by tomorrow. I'm kind of hopeful that it will happen, too. I'm kind of hopeful that it will happen. The, the Sam Ventura hire in the Sabres organization, you got to think he's got a, some strong pull. You got to. Because otherwise, why did he leave the Pittsburgh Penguins? Think of it from his perspective. Why would you leave the Penguins, who seemingly, I mean, you've been building up a relationship in that organization for years, and you had a good title. I think he was even director of director of hockey operations, something along those lines, underneath the assistant GMs. Why do you leave that position for VP of player development with the Sabres? Why do you do that? That's not his title, by the way. I think I only have that one in my head because of Pierre Maguire. But why do you leave that job for the Sabres organization? you got to know you're going to have some say. And if that guy has say, and Jason Carmanos, who has an analytical background for building the Penguins analytics department in the first place, he's the assistant GM. The guys around Kevin Adams, there's no way they would protect Ristolainen over Borgen. And that's why I'm hopeful that they will just take the best offer on the table for Risto by tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Because they have guys in the organization that will recognize you gotta you got to move on from the guy. you got to move on. And they will recognize Borgen's value, and they will push Kevin Adams in the right direction. If a third-round pick is on the table for Ristolainen tomorrow, you do it. Because in essence, what you are doing is you're trading Ristolainen for Will Borgen in a third-round pick. That's about what they're asking. Right? If someone's offering you a second-round pick... It's that's what you're offering. That's what you're asking for. You're asking for a young defenseman and a high draft pick. If you get the high draft pick, you gotta have the foresight to see that you're basically including Borgen in this offer. And that's why it's just so mind blowing to think that they could screw it up. I have enough confidence to think they won't. But I'm worried. You can hear it in my voice. I'm worried. I'm ready. I'm ready to start setting things on fire. <laughs> that's what happens. If they protect Ristolainen, it, it will be it will blow my mind. It really won't, I guess, because the guy, he, he'll be a Sabre forever, right? Ten years from now, he's somehow going to be on the Sabres. He just, he won't go away. No matter what happens. He just won't go away. But eventually, when I come back to, to, to real life here, take a step back, he does have to go. They've got to recognize it. And I'm... I am hopeful that it will happen by tomorrow. That we'll have a uh, Ristolainen trade in the next 20 or so hours. 803-0550 is the phone number. Where are you at on the Sabres blue line? Is it really that important to 
trade Ristolainen at this point in time. We'll hear a little bit from Darren Dreger as we progress tonight on the show. Give716.org. It is Give716 Day. Uh, we have got four hours to go, and we reached it. We're at the million-dollar mark. $1,017,000 is what we're at. Awesome job by everybody. Awesome job by the community, the Bills, the Sabres, the Blue Jays, matching donations of $20,000 uh, in the last hour for the Power Hour, um, for their Power Hour. The Blue Jays, by the way, there's news on them. They're going back to Toronto on July 30th, if I didn't mention that in the update. The Jays, who it's just announced that they're going back to Toronto, they step up. They match donations of $20,000 over the last hour. So good on them. Good on everybody that's donated. Keep, keep keep them rolling. What's the next target? Is two million too much of a? Is it too lofty? You gotta set lofty goals. You gotta shoot for the stars. So let's let's go for it. Can we get to two million? That would be unbelievable if we can get to two million. I think we could do it. We got five hours to go. Let's let's give it a shot. We're at one million seventeen thousand six hundred fourteen dollars and forty three cents. Uh, give seven one six. Dot org. You can get all the details there on the website. Over 400 charities. The general funds spread around. You can find your own charity if you want to spe- specify by the search bar or by categories. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. To your calls next at 8030550 here on WGR. I don't want to be part of a stalking horse environment. You mentioned Caprizov. Well, the bio suitor and uh, Parise. They've got 10 plus million this year in cap space. We know they need a center. But I'm telling you, as much as as Billy Guerin would like to land Jack Eichel, he doesn't want to get caught in this frenzy of activity, this back and forth. He's going to make an offer. Maybe he already has. There's not going to be this extensive back and forth. Well, I mean, I guess you don't really want Jack Eichel then. (laughs) I mean, that's the only thing to say there. I'm sick of hearing about these teams that... Well, they, they'll make an offer. They want Jack. No, that's really the thing. They want Jack Eichel, but they're not going to get into a back and forth. What do you mean? A negotiation? What do you think this is? The Eichel trade market has been the most annoying, infuriating thing for me in the last month, month and a half, because it's just pretenders everywhere. While the Rangers want Jack Eichel, but they're not going to go Lafreniere. They're not going to get into this bidding war. The Ducks, the Kings, everybody. They're not going to get into this bidding war. Then guess what? You really don't want Jack Eichel that much. (laughs) Right? Because if there's a 24-year-old elite number one center on the market, and you don't want to get into a bidding war, then you're not being realistic. And you don't really want Jack Eichel. That's what that says to me. Jody Biasi back here on the nightcap. We have crossed the $1 million threshold for Give716. It does not mean we stop. We're shooting for $2 million. We're at $1,022,000. We got a ways to go. Let's do it. We got five hours to go. I, I think we can do it. Come on. Give716.org um, for all the details on how to donate and the different ways that you can donate, the charities. Uh, all the information is at Give716.org. Yeah, the, the Eichel thing's annoying to me. The Ristolainen thing has got me mad. A lot of things with the Sabres got me not necessarily upset, but on edge. On edge lately. And really it's because I recognize as much as anybody that this offseason is going to shape the next five to ten years of Buffalo Sabres hockey. 
Like, if we really want to claw out of this, this funk, this, the funk is not putting it, that's putting it so lightly. This disaster that has been the last decade of Sabres hockey, if we want to climb out of that, they got to nail this offseason. This, this offseason is vital to that. Because they're probably going to trade Eichel. And that is going to populate the new Sabres prospect pool. You've got a, a dying one right now that is ranked near the bottom of the league a lot of times. And where are you going to get this influx of young prospect talent? These trades. The Eichel trade. Ristolainen, what you do with him and whether you're able to keep Will Borgen and what you get in return for him. Reinhardt, same thing. These are going to decide the next decade of Sabres hockey. And then what these prospects become, if it's Trevor Zegris, if it's Matthew Boldy, if it's Maxime Comtois, if it's Lafreniere, if it's Byfield or Turcotte, all these guys, any of these guys, Rossi, Newhook, Krebs, the guys the Sabres get will be asked to one day be the focal point of this organization. I don't know who their number one center of the future is. I Dylan Cousins could do it, but I'm not ready to 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 put him in in ink after 15 points. You know, Jack Quinn I uh, could be a pretty a top six goal scorer, but he only scored two goals in the AHL. I don't know that he's going to be a top six goal scorer in the league just because they picked him eighth. Middlestat looked good last year, but I don't know that he's going to be a second line center. Thompson looked better last year. I don't even know if that guy's going to be an NHL player. Darlene came a long way last year after Ralph Kruger was fired. I don't know that he's going to graduate to that Norris caliber defenseman. Is Owen Power going to be the next Victor Hedman? Is he even going to be a top pair defenseman in the league? Is he going to be Aaron Eckblad? I don't know. What the hell do they have in goal? We have no idea. Lukanen could be good. But his AHL numbers aren't all that good. You you can't just assume these guys are going to be good. And that's really where their downfall came this last rebuild. This, this, this big prospect pool they had five years ago, what did it turn into? Not much. That's why it's hard for me to have confidence in their way forward if, you, if they get lowballed on these offers and they take them because they think they have to. You're 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 already setting yourself up for failure, at just at the outset of this new rebuild. I also, among fans and media, I I'm not closed off to the logic of bringing Jack Eichel back. I don't think they're going to bring Jack Eichel back. But Paul said today, while we're showing the Bulldog that. He wouldn't be stunned if Eichel was on the opening night roster. And while I would be surprised, given what we've heard from most, I don't hate it. Because what is the worry? Think about why we're pushing for this deal to happen right now. We're pushing for it to happen right now because there is a no-movement clause that kicks in in Eichel's contract next offseason. 
You're not going to want to trade him midseason because there's going to be no bidders on the market. Everyone will have their cap figured out. And historically, midseason trades that at that magnitude do not work out in any way for the team that is trading the, the good player. If I'm a, what, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid of the no movement clause, right? Well, why am I afraid of the no movement clause? Because Eichel will then be able to decide more so decide where he goes, and that will limit the market and that will cause the price to go down. But if the price is already down, what's the downside? Sure, I know it could always get worse. But Jack's going to always have to work with you. He's always going to have to work with you. If he's the one that wants this to happen, if he's the one that wants to be traded that badly... Well, Jack, you got to work with us because otherwise you're sticking around here. And and Jack, I think, knows that. I think Eichel's got to know that because we don't have this declaration from him or his agent that he's done here. We assume it. We hear rumblings of it, but we don't have it. And why is that? Because Jack knows himself that the Sabres have a ton of leverage here. It's just whether or not they decide to use it. Everyone says Boston. Well, he's going to force his way to Boston next offseason. No, you just don't trade him. He's you got to fa- make him make a decision. If you really want out of here, if, if he's here a year from now still, and he still wants out, he still wants out a year from now, and he's on this team, and he says, I need out of here, then it, you, you give him a choice. All right, would you rather be on Anaheim or would you rather be here? Would you rather be in Minnesota? Would you rather be here? Would you rather be in LA? Or would you rather be here? Because we're not trading you to Boston. We're not trading you to New York. We're not trading you to Philadelphia, Montreal. It's just not happening. So get it out of your head. And to, to take a stance like that, it requires guts, but it requires strength. And what the Sabres need to have in their front office in this situation is strength. The willingness to go down that road if you feel like you have to. And not get pushed around by the whims of the player. Because it is becoming the player empowerment movement in sports and in hockey. But hockey is dragging way behind when it comes to this. This is not the NBA. This is not the National Football League. Guys sign in small markets long term. They stay with the teams that drafted them. And the ones that get traded... They typically don't force their destination even when they have some of the power to do so. You don't have situations like James Harden a lot in the NHL. James Harden told the Houston Rockets in the NBA this past season, trade me to Brooklyn. That's it. You don't have another option. Trade me to Brooklyn. He was under contract, and he got traded to Brooklyn because that's how it works in the NBA. We're not at that point yet with hockey. We're not at that point yet with hockey. And you've got the term on his deal to where that that is leverage in itself. And I know that it's unprecedented to have a disgruntled player that has been the face of your franchise, that is the captain of your team, and when he wants out to not get him out, that's unprecedented. When these guys want out like that, they get out. But what I'm arguing for here is unprecedented in an unprecedented situation. 
I'm arguing for the Sabres to be willing to go down the route of unprecedented. Because a player of this caliber, at this age, and in this situation, it's never happened. So maybe you have to do something. As the Buffalo Sabres, as the organization, maybe you have to do something. That's really never happened. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you got a thought on that, we'll hear from Darren Dreger when we come back of TSN. Uh, we'll hear some of his comments on the Eichel situation, Ristolainen, um, the one piece, we'll hear it from Dreger next, but the one piece of optimism that I've had throughout this whole Eichel trade process, there hasn't been much. Again, all these GMs saying like, oh, well, we don't want to get into a bidding war. That's annoyed the hell, that's annoyed me a lot. But the one tidbit we had from Dreger today, him saying he doesn't think the Sabres will have to lower their asking price. That is as positive a sign as we've had throughout this entire process. So we'll hear that the context of that answer from Dreger when we come back from his visit with the instigators. We'll get a good portion of that when we come back. Last call in the nightcap after this on WGR. Give716.org, by the way. Uh, if I hit refresh here, we're at 1030000 On our way to $2 million, maybe. Might be lofty. But we'll see how it goes as the, over the next 15 minutes of the show here on WGR. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We're going to spend the last call at the nightcap with Darren Dreger. We'll get some more updates on the Eichel trade market, Bristolinen, and more from Dreger. He was on with the Instigators earlier today, and here is that interview. With the expansion draft coming up and the list, anything that you are getting a sense that will be huge when the lists get uh, made to the public, like you're thinking somebody that's going to be left unprotected that is like, Wow, we did not expect that. Are you getting a sense that there may be some of it? Mm, yeah, there'll be some of it, Marty, but I, I guess I want to qualify and and wonder how shocked we will be by any of it, right? Um, you know, like Jeff Skinner has been reported. I mean, that that's not going to surprise anybody. You know, there would have been talk of Shea Weber. Um, just contractually, you look at, you know, it's an easy one for these clubs. So if you've got a big uh, money guy, who maybe is on the tail end of his of his game, uh, still has term remaining, uh, or has underachieved. If if you're somewhere in the early stages of that contract, you know it's an easy one for general managers to leave those guys unprotected unless they've got uh, no moves and and all of that, because then they have to waive, of course. Just because Seattle isn't looking to you know do favors here. You know, the Seattle Kraken want to be as competitive as they possibly can be right out of the gate. So I don't know that we're going to be surprised by any of the, the bigger names, if you will. Um, I don't think that there have been any surprise names that have been thrown at me. Uh, I talked to somebody yesterday, the Nashville Predators uh, are still talking about Ryan Johansson as an example. And, you know, whether or not they protect him, Um would you be surprised if he was left unprotected? I don't think I would be, even though, you know, you've got a backfill. We know that Matt Duchesne is likely uh, going to be left unprotected, but that's the kind of player that will would be left unprotected. So if Ryan Johansson, I'm not saying he will be left unprotected. If he is, is it going to shock anybody? Probably not. Darren Dreger joining us here. Is there any chance that the Sabres got Skinner to waive his no-move clause to foist him? 
there somehow make a deal or is that impossible in your opinion? And, and there's one thing I want to just clarify. Is it, can the Sabres pick up half a salary in the expansion? Just mm. for Because um, I don't know. We were talking about that and I, I wasn't sure if we were, if the Sabres are even allowed to do that in the expansion draft. I, you know, that's a good question. And, and whoever's listening who has a better handle on that, uh, I'd like to hear the response. I mean, obviously, you know, you could, you know, if, if, if Seattle had interest in Jeff Skinner, um, but they had trade interest in Jeff Skinner because they wanted the Buffalo Sabres to retain salary, then there'd be a way to get him to Seattle outside yeah. of expansion. And then you look at somebody else. But specific to expansion, can a team retain? I don't know why you would, because you know, you're 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 going to the lengths of of creating your list in the first place. So if you're losing that player, unless it's really a player you don't want to lose, you're probably not going to engage in any type of horse trading. So why? Well, Jeff Skinner, you, you'd have to. No, you would. Of course, you'd have to. There's yeah. no reason that the Seattle Kraken are going yeah. to take Jeff Skinner. I, 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 I don't think so. I, I, I feel like the the players that Ron Francis has access to are going to be quality enough that why would he even engage? Right? Like, I mean, we've talked. We've talked openly in the media about Tyler Johnson. And is there any guarantee that the Seattle Kraken would take Tyler Johnson? And the answer to that is no, because he's a $5 million player. This is a guy that's won back-to-back Stanley Cups and had another terrific Stanley Cup final. And yet, you know, Seattle is playing under the, the same cap restraints that every other team is. And they would look at a Tyler Johnson and go, $5 is too much. So I can't imagine that they'd be too keen on Jeff Skinner. Drags, um, I guess this, that, or the other thing, um, which one would be more likely to be picked on the expansion draft out of the guys that waived their no-movement clause? Skinner, Bishop, or Milan Lucic? Like, if you had to say one of those guys is most likely to be picked on the expansion draft, which one would it be? You know, this is going to sound crazy, but Milan Lucic. Um, And and the reason I don't take Ben Bishop is, well, it's twofold. It's injury-related. You know, his his history of staying healthy isn't great. And I think that there's going to be some high-quality goaltenders that are going to be made available. So Ben Bishop may be simply overlooked because of that. I mean, Montreal... You know, I mean, Jake Allen pops onto the 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 uh, expansion market. Why wouldn't you take <clears throat> Jake Allen? Uh, again, <laughs> dependent on on what other goalie names are going to be out there. You know, the one thing that the the Vegas Golden Knights still kind of look for, and uh, they've got a ton of character in that room, and they've got real competitive players there. But they want more of it. They want more of it. And there are years past the expansion draft process. I think initially you can't have enough of those guys. Milan Lucic can't play the game at the pace that he used to, but he's coming off a pretty decent year, I would say, where he looked like he had kind of reinvigorated his game, if that's possible. He's going to come with limitations, but what he has in abundance is a will to compete, and he's got the experience, kind of that old-school philosophy that I think can can be real beneficial and helpful. So of those three guys, if I had to choose, I'd, I'd, I'd take Milan Lucic. Darren Dreger joined. Oh, go ahead, River. No, I was just going to piggyback off uh, Marty's dis, dat, or the or other. Um, who is going to be traded first? And the, the other is, will Creole 
Krasoff or whatever the heck the kid's name is that turned down nine schmilly a Freeze year off. Yeah, yeah. in Minnesota. Is he going to sign for more than $10 million? Seth Jones traded first or Jack Eichel traded first? That's like this, that, the other, that I over like there, it. and then the one up there too. Um, <laughs> I feel like Seth Jones um, because the interest is is top-notch on, on Seth Jones. Now, um, Yarmo obviously controls the deck here, and Yarmo Kekalainen of the Columbus Blue Jackets has not indicated to the interested general manager, Stan Bowman, right at the top of the list, that he is willing to trade Seth Jones. As soon as there is an acknowledgement he is willing, then I think it happens pretty quickly. And, and look, from Columbus's standpoint, you know, Jones has already made it clear he's not extending there. He's going into the final year of his contract. Why would you want to go through another year that starts with disruption and distraction? You know, hasn't Columbus had enough of that? You don't want to play here? Fine. We'll, we'll move you. We'll get the assets. We'll put our team together and we'll move on without you. I would think that would be the mindset. Um, so, you know, maybe Cake Line is just kind of playing possum here, hoping that, you know, when, when he does acknowledge he's going to trade him, that the ask just goes through the roof and the return is there. Uh, you know, Jack still remains uh, a bit of a, an interesting process, right? Um, you know, I know that there are teams that have interest in Jack. I mean, that's far from a newsflash. They don't want to be part of a stalking horse environment. You know, you, you mentioned Kaprizov. Well, they buy out Suter and uh, Parise. They've got 10 plus million this year in cap space. We know they need a center. But I'm telling you, as much as, as Billy Guerin would like to, to land Jack Eichel, he doesn't want to get caught in this, you know, kind of frenzy of activity, this back and forth. He's going to make an offer. Maybe he already has. But he's, there's not going to be this extensive back and forth. You know, it's going to be, okay, here's my offer. Yeah, we can we can. What do you think the offer off is? Of what do you think the offer is? Any no, idea? I, no, no, I don't. And 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 as far as Kaprizov getting higher than nine million, pushing ten, I mean, I guess you 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 know you can ask for whatever you want. One thing I'm not buying is this leverage of the Continental Hockey League. I, Did you know, he you, turn down nine million dollars yeah. for eight years? Yes or no? I I don't know that ribs to be fair uh that is absolutely ludicrous yeah i i would agree with you that's why i'm I'm hedging and i i just can't see that happening uh especially in a pandemic like look man i i talk to managers and agents all day long and i've got the agents now saying they're frustrated at times with their players because their players aren't recognizing that there has been a correction to the pandemic (laughs) And the guys who are holding out on $9 million are gumming things up for the lower level guys trying to squeeze three or $4 million out. So there is a level of frustration at that type of player. I I, I can't imagine a guy would turn down $72 million, but you never know. Again, if this young man thinks that he's got the leverage from the KHL, then good on him. But when's the last time a player left the National Hockey League and used that leverage? And don't throw Radulov at me because it was a completely different 
scenario. It never happens. So well, what kind of money do they make over in the KHL? If you're, if you're an elite, I remember back in the day, years and years and years ago, yeah. um, Yarmir Yager, who is basically leading and, and scoring titles, uh, uh, point titles in, in the NHL left to go to the KHL and he was making some ungodly amount of money that was tax-free. Is that, yeah. is that true? I don't think it applies as much anymore. 